Welcome to Becker and Broom on Bullets Forever, a podcast for the thinking Washington Wizards fan. My name is Ben Becker. My co-host is a multimedia basketball nerd who will be appearing on Sports Talk on News Channel 8 on Tuesday at 9 p.m. Hello, Kevin Broom. Hey, Ben. So nerdy they invited me back for a second time. Uh, last, last Monday, the Wizards lost soundly in Boston. It was their fourth loss in five games. Angst was starting to bubble up amongst fans on Twitter, etc. And what followed was three straight relatively resounding victories, including Saturday night's most impressive win in Cleveland. Uh, you were more concerned than I was about the team's post-All-Star break stumbles, but mm-hmm. we were both somewhat concerned. How are you feeling now at 45 and 28 with just nine games left? I feel pretty good about the team. I mean, my concerns there were more along the lines of if they if they can't get this defense straightened out, you know, it's going to be a short trip in the playoffs. But then, you know, after we talked, they seemed to well, really, even as we were talking, they were working on their defense and they were getting better. And you know, this week would certainly ha- have me feeling better about the team. Certainly, beating Cleveland and the good thing was that also the the way they won against Brooklyn. You know, we talked about it. The most important thing for them to do in that game was to stomp on them, you know, beat them, get a big lead, and then have guys be able to sit down. And none of the starters played more than like 24, 25 minutes. They all sat for the entire fourth quarter. And so they got a chance to get rest before the matchup with Cleveland. And they were able to go in and really play terrific basketball against the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, I had the same thought. You know, the, the Wizards and the Cavs were both on back-to-backs. And we looked at that Brooklyn game and said, okay, is this one they're going to sleepwalk through and they're going to pull out at the end? Um, like the, you know, the Orlando game a few weeks back. Yeah. But uh, they, as you said, they stomped on them. They got rest. And then they turned in one of their, if not the most impressive performances of the season in Cleveland on Saturday night. Uh, there's a lot to unpack um, mm-hmm. from this game. Uh, I guess the first is not from this, from this, uh, fr- from the game itself. But now, having seen the Wizards over these last two games with Cleveland, once where they they uh, lost on on a a prayer LeBron three to send it to overtime and in DC, and then this resounding win in Cleveland. How are you feeling about the Wizards' chances in a seven game series against the Cavs? Well, not as good as I'd feel against some of the other teams because Cleveland still does have LeBron. And LeBron, the guy's one of the greatest players of all time. And so I don't feel that great about their chances. But that said, I feel pretty good. You know, the Wizards have a shot. Like I've I've been saying, I don't see anybody in the East who's that much better than the Wizards. You know, there are teams that are a little better. Cleveland, I think, would be one of them. But they're not overwhelmingly better. They're they're pretty close, and if things go right for the Wizards, I th- could see them beating uh, Cleveland or Boston or Toronto or anybody in the East in a seven-game series. The the interesting thing about the Cleveland matchup is you look at uh, Le- LeBron's a problem for the Wizards, and sure. and so you know that that causes angst. And I'm speaking specifically with respect to. Uh, you know the Wizards did not go get a physical wing at the deadline. So when uh, when when the Wizards don't pick LeBron up soon enough, he tends to identify his defender. If it's Otto, 
he goes, I mean, we saw it on Saturday night. He will go straight to the basket, um, and good things will happen for um, for the Cavs, and it's it's really tough, and so it's like that 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 makes you that makes you nervous. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, LeBron's a matchup problem for everyone. I mean, you yep. know, you look at Jay Crowder, and you're like, oh, that you know, he's huge, he's he's whatever. But he, LeBron's LeBron. He's a yeah. he's a matchup problem. And when you look at the teams and how the teams match up, the the Wizards are clearly a problem for the Cavs. Uh, the, the the way they are able to push the pace, the Wizards have more young legs on the floor mm-hmm. than uh, th- than the Cavs do, and the Cavs uh, Cleveland can't stop the Wizards' offense. That's that's something that we saw again on Saturday night. Yeah, and you know the Wizards obviously they have got those terrific young shooters, and John Wall is a brutal matchup for them. You know, going the other way because. Let's face it, Cleveland's got some real defensive problems, and they seem to think that they're going to be able to play better defensively once they get to the playoffs. Maybe, maybe not. They don't really seem to have the personnel for it. You know, Kyrie Irving has never demonstrated himself as a stalwart defender or even a good defender, and Kevin Love has been maligned as a defense as an awful defensive player. He's not a particularly good one, but he's not a terrible one either. Then they've got J.R. Smith, who doesn't really defend all that well. They've got some other guys. Kyle Korver is not exactly a great defender, now in 35, 36 years old. So they've got some real issues defensively. And like you said, the young legs of the Wizards have the ability to sort of create openings to get to open spots, and then Wall can pick them apart with the passing. Kyle Korver may still be laying on his back in the key in um – uh, in the queue from what uh, John Wall did to him in the open floor on, yeah. on Saturday night, I, he may have been helped up. But 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 you know they Cleveland seems to really lack lack depth when it comes to young athletes. And I know that you know in the playoffs, the the, the narrative is at least that the game slows down and um, it, it becomes more physical and stuff. But I. I the eye test would certainly seem to say that this Cleveland team is vulnerable. They're not bringing anyone off the bench in the front court that's inspiring any fear. You know, Channing Fries can can make threes, and then their their wing defense is is very is very suspect. You know, yep. uh, they've they've got real issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> Channing Fry is your top big off the bench. You've got some problems. So depth is. Uh, is an interesting. It's an interesting point given what we talked about uh, last week when we were talking about Brooks integrating this new um, bench and and testing what works and and what uh, what doesn't. Uh, Mahinmi, uh, Jan Mahinmi only played a half of this game. Um, I really liked what I saw from the standpoint of he is enormous and he is physical. The last time Wizards and the Cavs played in D.C., Tristan Thompson just ran roughshod on the Wizards on the offensive boards. And I love the thought of Mahinmi in a seven-game series just banging, just being physical, just being able to wear these guys down a little bit. I think it helped score Tot late. And and even though Mahinmi only played half the game uh, because uh, he, he took a, a, a knee to the hip, I thought mm-hmm. that... Um, I thought that his physicality was impressive and something to be optimistic about looking into the playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting because Brooks's response to that seemed to be 
to go to the small lineup. You know, he went to Ubre, who had a fantastic game, seven for eight from the floor, grabbed seven rebounds, no turnovers, had a steal. I mean, it's just a terrific game from him. And so that should be interesting. If they could get anything resembling that from Ubre going forward, that would be terrific news. Well, and it goes to what I was saying last week, which is you with a lot of these guys you don't know what what you're going to get on a given night. It's yeah. not just that he went to Ubre, but then he went with Morris at the 5. And mm-hmm. I just love that that there that he's got combinations that he can try. Um I want to jump back to Ubre in a second, but the other thing to note is that Boyan Bogdanovich didn't play on Saturday night. He his his back stiffened up on him. So the right. Wizards have now put up you know, 270-some, 260, 270-some points in two games against the Cavs without Bogdanovich in either game. Now, some people may say, oh, you know, they'll score 150 when he plays. What I actually think is um, they clearly have no trouble scoring uh, without him. And I would I would hope that, that Brooks doesn't feel obligated to get him to get Bogdanovich 20 minutes when they when they see Cleveland next because he's not going to help them on the defensive end much at all. Agree? Yeah, well, yeah. Boyan doesn't help anybody defensively. Uh, doesn't he helps when he can sh- when he shoots well? And you know the Wizards are pretty good offensively. They're you know his effect so far with the Wizards. I mean, small sample size, of course, is a is a little bit of a plus. He's, they're about two points per 100 possessions better. Whether he's causing that or not, or not, you know, we're talking about 400 minutes roughly. So that's hard to say that he's like the, the cause of that. They're also not much worse defensively. Basically, he's just, you know, he's he's a more productive version of what they had. Um, it is interesting to note that his PPA with the Wizards is down to 88. You know, it, when they got him, I think he was at 83 with Brooklyn. So he seems to have kind of returned to about the level that he was at with Brooklyn. Um, now that he's now that he's here in Washington, got off to a great start, but he's not been so good the last, you know, week or so. Well, I wouldn't expect him to see him buried in a playoff series against Neither Cleveland. Would I. But but I would at least hope that, given what we've seen over the last week and and some from my recollection over the last matchup, that maybe he gets the call after Kelly Oubre, as you said, Oubre had. An insane game uh, statistically um, uh, against Cleveland. He had a fantastic stretch at the end of the Boston game to to make it to make that result a little closer than the overall arc of the game really was. But he clearly seems to be more engaged. He's causing a lot of problems for offenses when he is defending the ball, and um, he also seems to be. Uh, against Cleveland, he did a, a fantastic job on the offensive boards and, and just cutting into open space against uh, the, the defense when it fell asleep. Um, I, I know we've we've talked a lot about Kelly Oubre. I don't I don't think either of us are under the illusion that this type of production is something that Wizards fans or Scott Brooks can count on with any consistency from him in the playoffs. He is mm-hmm. he is twenty years old. Um, but but you've got to like the trend line at least. Yeah, and I think that games like that are 
show what he might be able to become in the future. You know, that the, there's a reason they traded up. I liked it when they traded up for him. You know, the guy's he's a talented, talented player, and he's so young, and assuming that he learns and works and accepts coaching and accepts his role, there's, a I think, a lot that he can do. I mean, there's so much I think young players can learn from accepting a more limited role at first and then growing into a bigger role as you as you mature and learn. And so if Ubre can sort of limit himself to you know say okay, I'm going to be a terrific on-ball defender, I'm going to learn the off-ball stuff as we go, but I'll be a terrific on-ball defender, I'm going to cut to the open spots and catch and either lay it in or I'm going to shoot a 3 or I'm going to pass it back to one of my teammates who's you know more established. That's a good framework for being very productive and useful this season. And then, you know, maybe next season and in the future seasons, you sort of grow into a bigger role. I Well, and, and that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm hopeful, because to me, he has demonstrated at least some of that understanding of what it is he he does well and what he does not do well. And I feel like in pro sports in the nba in general where in order to reach just to reach that level of competition the overwhelming likelihood is you know you've been quote unquote the man your whole life Mm -hmm. and so it's it's difficult for uber talented people uh, you know who are one of the best few hundred people in the world at something to say okay my key to success here is to accept a a supporting role this reminds me with some fondness and some sadness about our Andre Blatch discussions from going on 10 years ago yeah. when, uh, when you know, we, I saw that we saw, any, anyone could see that he just sort of oozed talent out of his pores, but he was plainly trying to do too much too quickly. And I said, you know, he sh- there should be rules prohibiting him from from taking any shots other than those at the rim and face-up jumpers with his feet set off the catch. You know, none of this off-the-dribble stuff, step-back, behind-the-back nonsense that, that that really stunted his development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that that's ego, and, and obviously that's player-specific and all that stuff, but with Ubre, we see very little of that, and recently we see a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I'm... I am hopeful that he can not ruin the team's chances when he's on the floor because he's he's not going to try to do too much when he's out there playing with all-stars. Well, that, that's the hope. I mean, let's also just temper it with just a little bit of, you know, he's had a couple good games out of his last 10, but he's had some really bad games in there too, When he, even when he's gotten the chance to play. So let's maybe not go too far with, with it in him accepting his role and, and all that kind of stuff. It's hopefully that's what he'll he'll be able to do going forward and and there you are again just having asking me and wizards fans like me to curb my enthusiasm but um yeah. the the cleveland win was was awesome and the uh the wizards are now on seem to be on a pretty good path to 50 wins with with just nine nine games remaining mm-hmm. um the players this week have made mention of it being a stated goal. Do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? Do you think it's important? 
And and with the remaining schedule, how how likely do you see it as? Okay, let me first. I see it as likely. You know, my projection for the you know rest of the season. You know, doing each of the games, the prognostication machine has them at fifty wins, fifty to. And then if even if we throw out the first ten games, I'm still at fifty to fifty one wins. So fifty, I think, is very very doable. I think fifty one is even possible. In terms of if it, if it was my choice, I would say go for it. Go for the 50 because I think, for one thing, there's sort of a psychological thing there that 50 wins is kind of a bench, a real benchmark in the NBA, that if you've won 50 games, you are a good team. Now, there's very little difference between that and winning, say, 49 games, but I do think that there is something psychological about it for the players as you know, a benchmark to say, we've cleared that, that 50 win mark, we've gotten there, and we are a legitimately good team. So... I'm in favor of them going for it and going for the highest possible seed that they can get. If they could get to, you know, three to two to to one, if that there's a slim chance of that still, I would say go for it, because I think the team, this franchise, this fan base could use, you know, some some achievements. That sound that you heard in your ear, yeah, was me was me slow clapping. My my. Uh, my my cynical robotic statistical friend <laughs> i you're exactly right 50 wins is a huge deal yeah. it's it's a huge deal for for a lot of reasons one reason it's a huge deal is because the wizards are one of something like four franchises who haven't had a 50 win season in the last some ungodly number of years like 20 years i wrote <laughs> something on bolts forever last year about why it was time to move on from ernie grunfeld and that was one of the things it was sort of like there have been, you know, several dozen 50-win seasons over the last 20 years. The Wizards have actually have exactly zero of them. Yeah. So to um, to not be on that list anymore is is a big deal. You're totally right about just the 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 psychological, the psychic value of the five as opposed to the four. We, you know, you see it in terms of real estate pricing and consumer goods pricing all the time. That that number matters, and mm-hmm. it. If they come back and do it again this year, it's something you hang your hat on. You say we've had you know back to back fifty plus win seasons, and I think in a league where narratives matter to varying degrees about different things, but when you look at at player movement decisions, whether it's free agency or who makes it onto a list of preferred destinations, I think to to be able to say yeah we're a fifty win team is important when you look at the history of this franchise, which. You know, it's still sort of weird that we're even having this discussion about, you know, playoff seeding and all this stuff because the Wizards were, you know, a laughing stock for so long mm-hmm. and have been an afterthought for so long. Absolutely, 50 wins is something that is very, um, th- that's important and that the Wizards should go after. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that the broom prognostication machine, you know, matches up with, with what what I see on the schedule, which is obviously nothing for certain, but but they got a good shot at this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at the remaining game, nine games left, you figure they're going to be favored against the Lakers. They should beat the Lakers. And then they'll probably, you know, they, they're right now underdogs in, their, in the next three after that to the Clippers, to the Jazz, and to Golden State. But then they come home, they've got winnable games against Charlotte, New York, Miami, and then Detroit and Miami again. Really, all of those games are winnable for them. 
you know, the only game where I would say probably not is the Golden State game, in part because the Wizards beat them here, and so that'll be a revenge game for the Warriors. And the Warriors dialed in are really a scary team, even without Kevin Durant, whether he's back or not. So, but 50 is really doable. I, I agree that sort of like it all starts with, you know, the Laker winning against the Lakers. I think the approach to that game is, is roughly the way the, the the Brooklyn game was last week. It's sort of like if you're anything, you, you have to you have to beat this team. I don't care where the game is played. And then, yes, those next three are very tough. You know, they, they, they get the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back, but they don't have to travel. It's in the same mm-hmm. building. Utah, the Wizards... You want to talk about, you know, we've talked a few times about payback and, and it being difficult to beat a team twice. I know Utah's really good, but uh, the Wizards, they got beat down by the Jazz here a few weeks yeah. ago. You know they're going to be highly motivated, and same goes for Golden State. Yes, I, I would not expect the Wizards to sweep the season series against the Warriors, but one of the things that is so lovable about this Wizards team is these guys play hard and they play well quite often when the lights are are their brightest and so if the wizards can pick up a win in one of those three games you know and go two and two over their next four and call it three and two for the for the road trip you know you got to think they're a they're in great shape for 50 and b they're just going to be feeling really good yeah and this is a really competitive bunch too I mean, they get chippy in games where they, you know, they have significant leads, and maybe the other team's making a little bit of a run, and they they get chippy when they're close. I, this is a competitive bunch, and I I gotta say, I really like watching them play. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon Jennings has has uh, been quite the contributor to that chippiness. You know, sometimes I, I cringe when when I when I watch him, but I, at the end of at the end of the day, I think he he fits the uh, overall personality of the team. In terms of, and and that's one of the things you have to love about Wall and Beal from the moment they came in the league. That you know they're not going to back down from anyone. They clearly believe that they can and and should win the Eastern Conference, which as a fan is something that you love to see, and that's part of what makes being a fan fun. Mm-hmm. I want to talk real quick about playoff seating because we've danced around it a, a little bit here. So for a few weeks the. We've been having this conversation about, you know, the Wizards, they just got to stay in the three seed. You know, the two seed would be great, but they really want that three seed because Cleveland's obviously going to win the conference and they want to avoid Cleveland in the second round. You know, all the uh, we're seeing several statistical projections now saying that Cleveland is not going to win the conference, that that Boston's going to win the conference and 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 that the Wizards uh, reward for if holding on to the three spot, if they indeed do that will be a matchup with Cleveland in the second round. We just had this discussion about you don't believe that, uh, not you don't believe, but but a matchup with LeBron is always a, a an uphill climb. That mm-hmm. said, the Wizards, you know, the, the Wizards have a decent shot in a um, in a series against the Cavs. How, how important how important is seeding to you at this point, or is it just? Win as many games as you can and, and see where things fall. The difference between the teams at the top that they could potentially face in the second round or in the conference finals, you know, wherever they face, the the difference between those teams in terms of their the Wizards' odds of winning are, are pretty negligible. So I say win as many games as you can to try to secure home court advantage for as long as you can in the playoffs and then deal with 
whoever you face whenever you face them. Um, in the first round, really any of their realistic first round opponents, the Wizards are going to be overwhelming favorites. You know, I've got them estimated right now at being, you know, 80% chance or better of winning. Um, any of those series, that would be against Atlanta, Milwaukee, Indiana, Miami, Chicago, Detroit, any of those teams, like I said, 80% chance or better for the Wizards to win. And then against Boston, Cleveland, Toronto, the Wizards would be underdogs, but not like overwhelming underdogs. They would still have a chance at least, a decent chance of beating any of those teams. And like I said, the difference in percentage chances, you know, what I estimate are pretty small. So just take whoever you whoever you get, win as many as you can in the regular season, get home court for as long as you can, and then, you know, play them as you got them. What I'm hearing is something interesting because the fact that you don't see any sort of significant separation between Cleveland, Boston, Toronto, and for that matter, you know, with any of the of the bottom four teams in the East, says to me that the Wizards don't need to take part in sort of any gamesmanship towards the end of the season so that they can position themselves for matchup A or matchup B. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think there are all of those uh, all of those series against the top three are, are losable or winnable. And, and the odds that you talk about, they, they change with with one outcome. So if you're a, yeah. if you're a small favorite or if you're a small underdog in a seven game series, and you go out and you win game one on the road, then the odds instantly shift in your favor, and it's you know it's it's small sample size theater, and just individual matchups and performances matter so much. Yeah, a single in a seven game series, a single outcome swings the odds dramatically. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Th- that's good. It it always it always bugs me when when, when teams sort of reverse jockey for um, <laughs> for for position at at the end of at the end of seasons and you know with with the I, I take these 538 and the like projections with a little bit of a grain of salt just because it, it seems like weird things are always happening over the uh, last week or two of a season in terms of teams losing games they should win and vice versa and it's good to know that the Wizards don't really need to worry about any of that they should really just focus on can they get to 50? Can they get to 51? Maybe get, you know, bank some wins to the point where they might even be able to get a little bit of rest for their top guys and and be in, in, in good shape for the playoffs. Yeah, I think the kind of more interesting thing is going to be to see what some of these other teams do in the East, whether, you know, who they're jockeying to play. You know, are they going to be trying to adjust their seating to avoid playing the Wizards? <laughs> Which I think is actually... A fairly realistic scenario because you know there are teams that, for example, might think Boston has a better record, but we can do more to attack them because of Isaiah Thomas. So maybe we can get through that first round against them, or you know perhaps they think they can play better against Toronto. I, I mean, the Wizards have been a pretty solid opponent for a while, and especially as they seem to have been, you know, improving their defense in the recent week or so. I think it's conceivable that teams could be trying to figure out ways to avoid the Wizards in the first round or even that second round matchup. I love the fact that there is a realistic possibility that Tyron Lue and David Griffin are talking about the importance of getting the one seed so that they can play 
Toronto in the conference semis instead of Washington. And also um, you know, so the, they can have home court advantage in case they hit, you know, play Washington in the playoffs at all. Yeah. yeah, but but it's clear that the way the Wizards play um, is causes problems for the Cavs, and the mere thought that that is something that Cleveland would consider, you know, during the the Deshaun Stevenson Soldier Boy days, yeah. you know, there was there was a lot of talk of well, the Wizards and the Cavs aren't really a rivalry because the Wizards never win. The Cavs are just more of a nemesis. They don't really actually think about the Wizards, and. It's pretty clear that that um, Cleveland respects the Wizards now, and and um, and and I do like the thought of them them trying to avoid them in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because, like I said, the Wizards are, are a tough team, and I think if you know we were looking at this, if we were in Cleveland, if we were like doing a Cleveland podcast, that if we were looking at the Wizards, we might be thinking it might be best to avoid these guys in the playoffs. Well, that is a fantastic note to end on. Um, So we're going to wrap up today's episode. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We are set up on iTunes. I know we had a a few technical issues with that, but we're all good there. Subscribe on on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, or however you listen to podcasts. Um, Kevin is on Twitter at broom underscore Kevin. You can find his Wizards-related work on Bullets Forever. You can also check out kevinbroom.com for Kevin's other writing, including his upcoming mystery novel. And Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on News Channel 8, Kevin will be a guest on uh, Sports Talk, which very importantly is a live call-in show. So Becker and Broom listeners, if you've just been dying to ask Kevin Broom something, or if you, like some people I know, may have a desire to try to make him crack live on air, um, that will be your opportunity Tuesday at 9 p.m. on News Channel 8. I am on Twitter at underscore Ben Becker. And until next time, this is Becker and Broom on Bullets Forever. Bullets Forever.